And we're going to turn in our Bibles now to Psalm 90. It's in the Old Testament part of the Bible. The Psalms are really the songbook of the Bible, right in the middle. Uh, and Psalm 90 is especially helpful for us today. So Psalm 90, I'm going to read verses 1 to 6 and it will be up on the screen behind me. Psalm 90, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. Second reading is from John chapter 2 verse 1. On the third day a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing each holding from 80 to 120 litres. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Canaan of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. There they stayed for a few days. Thanks, Eleanor. The uh, Queen's family, her friends, those who work closely with her are and will be mourning and grieving, won't they? And we can't really put ourselves in their shoes. It's not right, is it? It's not fair. We're not them but something of uh, that sadness overflows to to us doesn't it for, for for different ones of you you feel that differently we we all have our different thoughts and feelings and and opinions but for many uh, people throughout our nation and all around the world actually there there has been this sense of loss that we've we've lost someone maybe partly because of uh, 
uh, her, her travels and, and, her, and her reach and, and the Commonwealth, that, that really means something overseas and, uh, and all over in all sorts of places. People feel a, a sense of, of loss. I, I know talking to, to many of you and, and, and other people in the community and just listening to the radio, the TV, all those interviews of uh, different people who, who met the Queen or, or, or have lived through her reign, for many it's just this sense of she was simply there. She was there. She was always there. Uh, she, all I've ever known. You know, for, for, for so many, that's the case, isn't it? They say uh, over 90% of the world's population have only ever known Queen Elizabeth II uh, as the monarch of, uh, of the UK. That's massive, isn't it? It's huge. The most famous woman in the world. And we've lost someone. She outlasted and, and outlived so many people and events and, and, and movements and institutions and, and stuff, didn't she? She just simply outlasted things. She had a long and a full life and a long and remarkable reign. Uh, one uh, woman on the television uh, was just being interviewed and she, she simply said she was stable when everything else was unstable. Ian Blackford, the leader of the Scottish National Party, uh, described the Queen. He, he said that she was the, the perpetual symbol of stability. Uh, Keir Starmer quoted uh, Philip Larkin, didn't he? Uh, Philip Larkin spent a fair bit of his life up in Hull, where I'm uh, from. But uh, Larkin, um, around the, the Silver Jubilee, so 1977, penned these words. In times when nothing stood, but worsened or grew strange, there was one constant good. She did not change. And Keir Starmer went on to, to describe her relationship with the nation, and she, he described it as uh, she was its stillest point, its greatest comfort through all the different things that we've gone through. She was simply there, unchanged, un, unmoved, solid, brave in many instances, rock-like. At the time of the, um, the proclamation, we were in Christchurch Park and the kids needed to get out. They just needed some fresh air. We all needed a bit of fresh air. So there we were uh, in Christchurch Park at the time of uh, the proclamation of, of Charles. Um, but we did uh, watch it. I had it on my phone. Amazing, isn't it, what you can do? Um, and, and there we were. And I watched the proclamation on my phone, got the kids, and, we, and they sort of watched it w with me. It's a huge moment, isn't it? You know, just to think, you know, we're able to see into that room. It, only the Privy Councillor have ever been at that particular moment throughout all of the history of our nation. But there we were watching this, this ceremony, uh, which really most people have, have never seen before, the, the, the build-up to and then the proclamation itself. And we were, uh, as I say, watching it there. And we were actually, um, it was a bit drizzly, it was a bit rainy, and we gathered uh, under, a, under a tree. Um, some of those trees in Christchurch Park are big, aren't they? They're they're tall, towering trees, broad, durable. They've been there a long, long time. Uh, more so uh, the, um, the oaks in uh, Helmingham Hall, in, in the park there. Um, those oak trees 
um, uh, there's one here, have been there um, a long time. Hundreds and hundreds of years. They're big, they're, they're broad. They've outlived and outlasted a lot of things. I guess they'll be there long uh, after I'm gone. Uh, and actually, um, this is uh, the, one of them is hollowed out. If you've ever been around the, the park there, walked around, you'd perhaps seen that one. It's, it's, it's all hollowed out. And uh, the, uh, I'm reliably informed that the Queen used to, she used to go there every year and used to walk around and she liked to stop there uh, and sit in the hollowed out oak tree and have a little, a little drink of something strong, I think. Um, but uh, she used to enjoy walking around the grounds there. There's the oaks. Well, hers was an oak-like stability and life and rain uh, there was a there was a permanence to her but she wasn't just a, 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 a something that was there was she she was a someone she was a person we we knew that didn't we she we knew that she was a a real person we knew that she was a mother and a granny uh, and, a, and a great-grandmother and a, uh, and a, a wife, a, a lover of corgis, a, of horses, of picnics. Uh, we know that Balmoral had a very uh, special place in her heart and, and in her memories, in the memories of her, her family life, all those prime ministers that had to go up there and spend a, a weekend with them and uh, in a way fitting that um, that's where she spent her last days. She could smile. Uh, she could laugh. Uh, she had a very sharp sense of humour. You can read some of the stuff she said. You can hear some of the interviews, people who've met her and, and you know, all sorts of funny things that, that she said. Uh, my brother had the, the privilege of meeting the Queen. Um, he was a young lad. Uh, we uh, grew up in Hull. There was a sort of a civic event on and uh, there was a lunch. And so uh, he was sat around the table with the Queen. Actually, there were lots of tables in the room, but he was around the one with the Queen. And he got to meet her with a, a bunch of other people. And they had the lunch. And then I guess at some point the Queen indicates that it's time to go. <laughs> and so she, I guess, got up and, and, and she left. And then everyone stood up to leave and, and move on. And as they did that, one of the sort of older, wiser people around the table turned to my brother and said, grab that, get that. And it was the, it was the napkin that she'd used, and it had, it's, it had her lipstick on it. Uh, and it, and it still does, <laughs> and he's got it, he's still got it. Um, but Keir Starmer uh, said, didn't he, uh, further on his speech, he said, in spirit she stood amongst us. She did not simply reign over us, she lived alongside us. Theresa May described that, I thought Theresa May's speech was cracking. Um, I hadn't really noticed her abilities when she was Prime Minister, but I thought her speech was, uh, her comic timing was genius. Uh, but she described um, uh, the Queen's warmth, didn't she? Uh, and that she could put anyone at ease. And again, when you listen to the interviews, so many just ordinary people would say that, wouldn't they? She, she just put me at ease. She was the Queen. She's the Queen, but she, she managed to just... I just felt at ease in her presence. The Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby, described how uh, in a crowd or a, a crowded room, if she was speaking to you, you were the only person in the room. Uh, Emmanuel Macron uh, remembered her as a kind-hearted queen, didn't he? Uh, one local vicar described how when, when Grenfell happened, uh, after, just afterwards, she, she was there said, you know, she could have sent a representative. She didn't. 
She was there herself on the ground with the people. But now she's gone. And yet the queen's life pointed beyond itself, beyond herself, to someone else. Uh, To someone who actually fulfills everything that we loved about the queen. Her life, her reign, pointed beyond herself to Jesus. She said that frequently. She told us about him, didn't she? But her life pointed beyond her to to Jesus. Uh, And in in him, what we see is this coming together of this this one person who is uh, the the rock, the, the unchanging one, as we saw in Psalm 90, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God, first and the last, beginning and the end, creator, the rock, the, the permanent one, the truly permanent one, the unchanging one. And yet, at the very same time, Jesus is also a person. He's a person you can know, God in the flesh, God who is there. God who can smile and put anyone at ease. She, she was royalty and humanity. We love that, don't we? We love both together. She was royalty. She was the queen. And she was humanity. He is divine royalty and complete humanity. And you see it in that episode in John's Gospel, don't you? John chapter 2, it's quite a famous moment uh, in Jesus' uh, life. There's so much you could say about it. There's so much there, isn't there? But at very least, there is this. Here is Jesus, who is God. <laughs> he turns water into wine. I can't do that. <laughs> but he does because he's God. And we're told by John, aren't we? This was a sign. It shows us that he's God's promised king. He's God the Son. He's the forever one. He's unchanging. He's the rock. He's the God and maker of all things. And yet, in this very same moment, right here at the wedding, as Jesus shows that he is God, he's also man, isn't he? Human. He's at a wedding. He's at a party, presumably. He's talking. He's eating. He's drinking. He's, he's laughing. He's, he's joking. He's, his friends are there. There's a bit of banter. His mother's there. And his brothers are there as well. He's a, he's a human. He's servant and king, as we saw earlier. He's both. And it's not just me saying this. This is what the queen taught us, didn't she? She often spoke, didn't she? She spoke very openly about her trusting God, that, that, that Jesus Christ, as she put it, was an anchor in her life, uh, that, that, that his teachings were the bedrock uh, of her faith. She said that. Her, he, he was her stillest point, ultimately. He, her stability was found in him. Her rock was Jesus. And yet, in her Christmas speeches, she so often loved to share with us, didn't she, the humanity of Jesus, the humanity of the nativity, the baby born in Bethlehem, the the family, the, the normal of it all. Both of those things come together in Jesus. She is gone And we will miss her. But she pointed beyond herself, beyond her life and her reign to him. 
the one who she trusted, her sovereign king, the, the person of perfect permanence. We felt like she was always there, but he is truly always there, the one who outlives and outlasts all things, and the one who can put anyone at ease, King Jesus. She pointed to the one who will never be gone because he died and rose again. And there is our confident hope today. There it is. That because he died and rose again, because he died for her sins and rose again that she might have life, she is now living fuller even than ever before, if that can be imagined. And she will reign with him, her sovereign king, for all eternity. Now, I know that she held her views quietly, gently, carefully. She had to. That was her role. But she wasn't afraid to leave us with a challenge, was she? Uh, back in 2012, she called it a humbling diamond jubilee year. Um, as she came to the end of her Christmas uh, speech, she drew it to, it to a close, and she quoted the Christmas carol in the bleak midwinter, and it poses a question for us all, doesn't it? What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. And then the carol gives the answer, doesn't it? Yet what can I give him, give my heart and then she left it there on a cliffhanger done christmas speech perhaps wish you all a merry christmas i can't remember there was one more line but that was it that was the cliffhanger what can i give him give my heart and there was our late monarch calling all of us, calling you, calling me, to personally respond to Jesus. Not, what do you sort of think about him? No, personally respond to this man. And she left us with that. What do you make of him? This one who is divine royalty and complete humanity. What do you make of him? Have you thought much about him? Have you ever uh, read John's uh, gospel, the, the, the bit of the Bible that we read from earlier? Here's a, a copy. There are a whole bunch of them just out the back. You can just take one and take it and uh, read it. It shouldn't take you too long to, to read through. It's an account. Uh, of Jesus' life. Have you, ever, have you ever read one of those? Have you ever read an account of Jesus' life and engaged with the man who H.G. Wells described as the very centre of history? You know, if nothing else, take Jesus who has totally shaped our world. <laughs> have you given him much thought? I want to take one of those and, uh, and read it. Hers was a full life, 
a remarkable reign and a personal faith in Jesus. Will you follow in the footsteps of our late Queen and put your trust, put your faith in the King of Kings? Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the remarkable reign of our Queen. Father, we thank you that embodied in her was royalty and yet wonderful humanity to all she met. And Father, we thank you for her reign and the stability that it has brought to this nation. And Father, we thank you that she points beyond herself to the truly stable one, the truly permanent one, the one in whom we can put all of our hope and trust and faith with confidence. And Father, I pray that you would help us to come again and examine the King of Kings, the King that she served, the one who was her pattern. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to place our trust in him. In Jesus' name, amen.